Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. For another episode of Believe in Kentucky, Aaron Gershon from the Cats Pose, Jalen Whitlow, former UK quarterback, is not with us tonight, but we're gonna hold it down. AG man, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm good, man. It's a busy time of year, but uh, Kentucky obviously, basketball wise, plays up in Philadelphia on Saturday, so I'm up north a little early uh, in Connecticut in my childhood bedroom. So uh, doing some family stuff and uh, heading to Philly Friday night, and we'll be there to cover the Cats against U uh, Penn on Saturday at the Wells Fargo Center. So a couple NBA arenas back to back weekends. So. Fun stuff there, and then trying to keep up with this portal. I have, I don't know about you, Vinny, but I have all the portal, uh, like two four seven, uh, on three uh, rivals. Kind of, I have the post notifications on in case something catches my eye, and I get like a hundred notifications an hour. It is just insane uh, what's going on in college football right now. So we'll get into all that. Yeah, for sure. What are the uh... Are those New York Knicks pennants to your these left? Are, so these I hung when I was probably like 10 years old, 12 years old. I don't know. But they're every MLB team. Uh, oh. but you got some old logos, though, because they're outdated. So still got the Florida Marlins I see <laughs> up there. Got the Astros from like the early 2010s. Like when, uh, I guess with the 2000s, like when the unis they wore in the uh, 05 World Series. So got some. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's anything else that catches my eye. Uh, Blue Jays logo is outdated, so yeah. But uh, a lot of my memorabilia has been put away. This room has kind of become a guest room since I moved out. But yeah. behind me, you got some of my signed baseballs in that thing right there. My Odell Beckham signed jersey I got um, when I was at training camp a couple of years back. Oh. A lot of years back now. So And some stuff on the other wall. Uh, on the other side of me but yeah it's kind of it's always fun looking through my stuff at home that's for sure i'm not here all that often so yeah yeah so odell let's say you said training camp so you got that yep yep I, we used to do we used to go to every we, we used to go to training camp it was like a once a year thing and sometimes get lucky autograph wise and i think i got that one uh i want to say it was uh 2015 or 16 i got that one so it's pretty okay. cool was he, was he pretty cool or was it? Uh, yeah, he, he was pretty cool. I mean, he, he didn't say much, but he actually he had his visor on. So he had the helmet. He was like the only guy who didn't take his helmet off. He had his visor on the gold vase and everything. But he, he took time to sign the jersey and spent some time with the fans. So uh, can't complain too much there. So us being on the Believe Network as we are, coming to you, Believe.com. And you can also um, – Get us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're live right now on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Believe in Kentucky. We're live there as well. Facebook. Feel free to drop a comment and question, whatever you want to do. Uh, you being a Giants fan, you are Believe Network. Did you interact with 
the voice Bob Papa at any point in time in training camp? No, I uh, I I did not. I'm trying to think. I think I've met Kim Jones, who's a pretty big national reporter. At least she used to be with uh, NFL Network, and now I think she's moved on to. Uh, a beat writing position here in New York covering the Giants. But um, no, I never got to meet Bob Papa, Carl Banks, any of those guys. But uh, yeah. obviously they were kind of the guys I listened to growing up and know they um, they obviously do the are on our network here with Believe doing the Giants show. So, you know, two guys I grew up listening to uh, my entire life. So it's pretty cool to be even in the same uh, little network with them here. Absolutely. And, you know, they get to see former cat Wondell up there now that he's healthy doing his thing for your Giants. And it'll be year three for him next year. So uh, when this season's over with, you know, he'll be yeah. got hurt, came back doing well, and, you know, got season three coming up. So uh, good stuff there with your G-Man. Look, I don't know about you, but, well, it was it was nice that the Eagles lost. I hate that it was the Niners. I was just glad somebody somebody had to somebody had to lose Someone that had game. To do it. Uh, they actually look. I hate the Niners, but got to be honest, they helped us out because somebody else had to beat them. We if we win Sunday, we have a chance to be tied for first. So that's exactly right. Begrudgingly, thanks to the Niners <laughs> for for that. So yeah, and, you got to take the help where you can get it. Yeah, but them. Saying that they're the NFC East champs, kind of. I mean, but you can't argue because they they beat us all to death. So they 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 whipped the Eagles. They drilled us. They beat you guys. They still got Washington coming up, but them, you know, crowning themselves NFC champs, NFC East champions, is kind of hard to swallow. But they they are what they are right now. When healthy, they are dangerous and scary. So. Yeah, they, they sure are. And uh, yeah, the NFC is kind of, it's front loaded, right? I mean, there's a, there's some six and six teams fighting for the last couple spots, but uh, San Francisco, Dallas, the way Dak Prescott's played this year, for sure. And that conversation, Philly, I think, you know, they did not play well last weekend, but they ain't going anywhere. So it's really, those are the three teams. And then uh, after that, uh, <laughs> there's a pretty major drop off, I would say. Uh, I, think, unless, I don't think I'm leaving anyone off that list. Nah. Uh, Detroit, I, I'm very conflicted on Detroit, man, because like, uh, it's just tough. I, I, it's not even because they're the Lions. I'll look past that. But, you know, you saw what they did on Thanksgiving Day. Then they come out, they get off to that 21 nothing lead on New Orleans last week. They're like, okay, it was just a bad Sunday. And then they almost blew that one. So uh, I don't know what to believe with Detroit. Uh, obviously, they're 9-3, and three, or I believe that's what they're at now. So you got to give them credit uh, for getting to that point. But for me, in the NFC, it's uh, San Francisco, uh, Philly, and Dallas, for sure. Yeah, and I'm, I still got to see – well, this Sunday will, will show us a lot. This is a big game Sunday night. Still got us. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it. We got to do a little better against better competition, and we yeah. can get that opportunity uh, Sunday. Absolutely. I know we're, we're hitting the NFL first, but it, you know it is what it is. But the Lions, when you when you look up and they're the best record since 1962, <laughs> nine and three. This is the first time they've been that in 60 years. That is insane. Uh, that you have to go that far back pre-Super Bowl era. Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't even a Super Bowl. It's crazy. Yeah, good for them, man. I, 60 years, that means uh, the fan base has been through a lot of uh, hell. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, good for them. Absolutely. Well, I guess we start with the most recent first, though, man. We uh, already have Kentucky solidifying their starting quarterback situation for next year. How about that? Athens, man, you – 
you're talking about this might be the guy. Brock Vandergriff is committed as of today. Yeah, uh, talk, <laughs> talk about getting things done quick. Uh, that was uh, makes everyone's life a little easier, I'm sure, both in the building, uh, definitely for us covering this situation, and then um, you know for Kentucky trying to recruit some playmakers around him. Um, but no, I, I really, I really kind of like this move. The more and more I think about it, like when the portal first opened, some of the names started popping. Um, I was pretty high on Will Howard, the quarterback from Kansas State. I think Jalen was as well. You know, the, just the frame, the six-five frame, uh, the experience he's had in the Big Twelve, winning some game, some important games. I mean, he won the Big Twelve championship last year, but um, he was only a one-year guy. And for Kentucky, some of the things that they have talked about. Um, you know, Liam Cohen specifically was talking about culture fits and um, Mark Stoops is talking about continuity. And it kind of just felt like they wanted to have a situation where they would have a guy for multiple years. And that's what worked so well with Will Levis. I mean, Will Levis was here for two, obviously. Um, and he, you know, I know 2022 was not a great year. There were a lot of factors that played into that, but he at least gave him stability at that position. Um, they knew what they were going to get from Will every Saturday, just about um, when he was healthy. And they knew what they were getting off the field as a leader. I mean, that was a guy that was um, beloved in that locker room and took over as the team's leader. And now Brock Vandegrift's going to have that opportunity um, for two seasons. And this is a guy, look, I, I know he hasn't seen the field much in his college career, but the only quarterbacks he was ranked behind out of high school were guys like Caleb Williams and Drake May, probably going to go one, two in the draft um, in, in uh, April. And then you have um, – who am I missing? That's not, Quinn Ewers, who's taking Ooh. Texas to the college football playoff, probably going to stay another year in college, eventual first-round guy. And then a quarterback in Sam Hurd, who did not work out over at Washington. He's since transferred. But And then if you look right by Vandegrift, J.J. McCarthy's the next name right under him. So really, really elite group of talent. He was uh, – surrounded by in the recruiting ranks um really just never had a shot at georgia right i mean you had um Sesson bennett there the first two years that everyone was kind of waiting for Sesson bennett to fall off it never happened he led them to two national championships okay and then um carson beck won the job fair and square and he was outstanding for georgia this year so can't really complain and brock did get to play in eight games this year he put he drove uh he drove them right down the field georgia against kentucky that's for sure so uh mark stoops and company got to see it up close and personal what the potential is with him so no i i really like this move i like having a guy for multiple years with a ton of upside um i've heard he's, he could really move in the pocket a little bit and now that rich kangarillo is not the coordinator uh, i think liam cohen's gonna let him use his legs a little bit um, um, in this offense and you know he's six three so you're not worrying about the height issue so he checks a lot of the boxes that both i think kentucky was looking for just in what they communicated and also what the fans are looking for so um I, there's very little complaints for me on this one I, I think it's a great pickup man so yeah um like you said you know stetson was was that guy then you know, bet comes back um Outside chance that, you know, speaking of our network, Corey Burton may hop on. I know he's recording or might be if he's free, but he does believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. Maybe get a little more insight from him. But I wonder if it was, you know, Munkin, Bobo, did he, you know, did he, you know, how would he fit in one to the other? Or like you said, Benny coming back. He's the incumbent, and now he kind of gets the same thing with Beck deciding to come back too. Uh, 
he just knows that hey, I, I gotta kind of move on and uh, get a go a, go where I can play. I mean, unless unless yeah. unless Bet gets hurt. Or the or only, yeah, the only or that or sucks. or he entered the draft after this year. It was just, yeah. and I mean him, uh, him entering the portal on day one of it opening, two days after they lose, you know, the SEC championship game, and then a day after they they learn they're not going to be in the playoff. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of told you all you need to know on you know what Carson Beck's thinking for next year. He's going to be mm-hmm. back, and yeah. they're also adding a pretty sure they're adding the top. If he's not the top quarterback, he's one of uh, the top quarterbacks in this 24 class coming up so look it's georgia man <laughs> it's tough uh and you know he he's from that area he originally committed to uh oklahoma at a high school and yeah dylan Rayola, who's the number two prospect in all of america number one quarterback is committed to georgia so that'd just be more competition entering that room there but um there's a ton of competition on that roster. Uh, the quarterback situation was solidified. It, it just wasn't going to happen. He was committed to Oklahoma um, early in the process. Actually, Shane Beamer was his lead recruiter there. Uh, he decommits um, and signs with Georgia. Georgia literally in his ba- Athens and where he's from, I'm pretty sure it's like a half hour away. So it just made too much sense. And uh, he gave it three years. It's not like he was a one and done. He stuck it out and uh, it never happened for him. And now he's going to get a chance to start in the SEC. And then if you flash back, look, if you guys don't know, check everything out Aaron does at thecatspaws.com. You wrote on your State of the Union, you know, quarterback stability, haven't yep. developed a quarterback. Nope. He's got two years of eligibility in a perfect world. He stays a year. He stays two years. You kind of transition him right into Carter Bowley, who then can exactly. then maybe get you your, your homegrown thing, your development thing. Where yep. you don't just have to live in the portal on a year-to-year basis. That's exactly right. He goes right into Cutter Bowley or even, you know, Soam Stoners, the quarterback yeah. from uh, Pennsylvania, is going to be mm-hmm. here. He'll be here in 25, so he would be when he'll be here for – I guess he'd be, a, what, a, a redshirt freshman probably when Vandegrift would be gone. So you duke it out between Bowley and Vandegrift. Make the, I mean, I'm sorry, Bowley and uh, and Saunders, best man away. You know, maybe lose eventually, but yeah, that that is exactly the hope is that you are able to sit definitely red shirt cutter bully this year. I think um, I've talked to people; he understands that he was never going to play year one, um, and maybe you know year two, uh, even maybe this year he could be the number two guy on the depth chart. You know, uh, there is one name out there that as a backup quarterback that I'll bring up in a second that I think Kentucky might add pretty soon here through that portal, but um. Yeah, there. I, I think this is just the right move to allow Bowley and Saunders the pop the um, the right amount of time to develop, uh, do it worry free, and let a guy who look Brock Vandegrift's been around a lot of winning. <laughs> I mean, how many games did they lose in his time at Georgia? Two, two SEC championships games to Alabama. Uh, you got to watch Seston Bennett, who you might everyone has opin- opinions on that guy, but uh, he's one of the best winners in college football history. Dude, dude won two national championships back to back and had an undefeated season uh, in one of them. So he's got to learn from a lot of, uh, of good players. He's got to learn from a lot of good coaches. I mean, Mike Bobo did a great job there at offense coordinator last year. Uh, the offensive coordinator before that, Tom Munkin was awesome. He is in the NFL now with the Ravens. They're having a ton of success. So obviously getting to be around Kirby smart in that culture. So uh, I mean, I just can't find a box that this guy doesn't check. I mean, going back to the continuity, going back to the culture stuff. I mean, he 
he fits the need here. And if he if he decides to use both years of eligibility, which is up to him, I mean, he can do whatever he wants, but unlike Levis, he will hopefully get back-to-back years under Liam Cohen. Yeah, and, that's the hope. You know, so that would that would be – we still haven't seen a quarterback under year two no. under Liam Cohen. And, you know, if, if he – if it clicks like it did with Levis, and you know everybody was looking forward to, ooh, what will year two be like? And he'll probably throw, a few, you know, cut down on his interceptions a little bit, and we, you know, averaging thirty-two points a game, and all this in year one, and imagine what year two, and oh, we didn't get to see it. So if we get yeah. that, which that that'll be, that'll be not, huge. I'm not trying to look ahead and fast forward or anything, but that no, that'd be nice, you know, if we if we get to see continuity that. would be nice. That, <laughs> have been a common word that's been used by uh, this coaching staff really since the you know before the Louisville game they will they, I think that's a problem that they feel like uh they've had the last couple of years and you know Liam I think takes some guilt in that though he had to do what he had to do yeah. that was they were the defending world champions uh the pays I don't know what the pay comparison was but the NFL lifestyle is just easier than the college one from a perspective of you're just coaching not saying I'm not saying coaching is easy by any means that they don't put in a ton of hours because they do but it's the recruiting stuff and the I mean these college coaches man in December we've gone through it transfer portal keeping your own guys high school recruiting locking those guys up and then um bowl prep for you know 82 or whatever teams it is that are eligible so it's just a wild wild month a lot to keep track of a lot to do it's 24 7 and you know liam Kona just had a had a child at that point so uh, father of a newborn like it, it was the best move for them you know they had just moved from la too so who knows if they even sold their house out there or whatever they their deal was so um that happened it's over and hopefully you definitely have Liam Cohen coming back this coming season. And hopefully, yeah, you are able to retain him for another. I, I don't think it would be for another offense coordinator job, but you know, all these coaches want to be head coaches at the end of the day. So you just hope uh, a situation he can't refuse doesn't pop up. Yeah. And flashing back to the Stoops and A&M thing, I don't mean to bounce all over the place, but did that maybe play a role in him staying too? Maybe some of the, the staff members, um, not being able to go because look, yeah, look at him. I mean, the situation is what it is. Stoops is divorced, his kids are older in Texas, I mean, yeah, and so he's more in the position where he could up and just sure impulsively do something without, yeah, he doesn't have a wife to consider, doesn't have a young family. You, uh, Cohen has a young family, you know, Coach Collins has a young family. Brad White has a bunch of kids. Bunch of kids so, yeah. I mean, a lot of those guys just weren't in the same position to where, hey, I can just – it's yeah. all of, where you just think about yourself. You got – they had other things to consider. You know, you got the entire Absolutely. family. So, just, yeah, and I think, look, if they had brought John Sumrall in, which was probably going to be the move, I mean, I, I think – I don't know for sure, obviously, but I think that that would have been the move. You know, like he's pretty well con- – he's connected with pretty much everyone on the staff. I mean, not quite everybody, but a good amount. Liam Cohen, he was there in 21. Brad White, obviously, he, he was the, the assistant defense coordinator or whatever his title was as an uh, additional linebackers coach. So, uh, Summerall, if he had come back, man, he, he could have kept a lot of the staff. It's kind of similar to what Texas A&M's been able to do. And I know they lost, you know, their big assistant there, Elijah Robinson, to Syracuse. Uh, but Mike Elko's kept some of that staff together, and that's helped them – 
they've been hit by the portal, but not like they haven't been hit as hard as like Michigan State did when mm-hmm. their you know Mel Tucker was fired, or even what you're seeing over at Oregon State uh, with yeah. Smith going to Michigan State. So mm-hmm. um, I think it would have been a kind of a similar situation here. Uh, and yeah, maybe you do hold on to some of the coaches, but now you know with the four extensions that they signed today, uh, Mike Stoops, Zach Yenzer, uh, Buffano, and um, Stewart. You know, there's only going to be one coaching change. Uh, there's going to be a lot of continuity on the staff, and now it's uh, you're trying to get continuity on that roster. But um, defensively, they're in pretty good shape with it. I think they'll probably try to add some depth in the secondary, uh, maybe even a linebacker on the edge, and maybe even inside, depending on what happens with um, Derek Jackson, Trevin Wallace. Those guys got NFL draft decisions to make. Mm-hmm. But um, it's all about building continuity on that offense now. You know, that is the I think that is goal number one, goal number two and goal number three of this offseason, because you feel pretty good with some of the pieces on defense. Yeah, for sure. Um, You mentioned, you know, guys doing what they had to do. And I guess the the Wade family felt that they had to do what they had to do. And we saw the departures of Keaton and Destin. And pop saying that promises were broken and this, that, and the other on the way out. Oh, man. Yeah, you hate to see that. Yeah. Because those are two really good kids. I mean, especially Keaton. I'm not saying that. I'm saying especially Keaton because I've been around Keaton more. Just Mm -hmm. because obviously he had a larger role on the team and talking to the media more. But those Mm -hmm. are two guys I've always enjoyed talking to and really mature kids, uh, especially, like I said, the conversations with Keaton never thought I was talking to a freshman or a sophomore, mm. you know, year to year. So um, uh, it was surprising to hear those comments to say the least. I mean, look, Destin Wade, people questioned his position, you know, going into college, whether he was really a quarterback or not. And right. he wanted to play quarterback Kentucky gave him the chance. He got to start the bowl game and yeah, you know, obviously it was a tough defense, but Look, Iowa, Iowa is an elite defense, but when you play, if you want to play in the SEC, you're going to be playing some defenses just like that. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, I think it was probably a good test for him, even if it was his first game. So I, I don't really understand any of those comments, to be honest with you. They were really not in many positions where they were blowing teams out, where they could get both right. the backup quarterbacks in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just didn't happen. And then with Keaton, um, had a pretty big role in the defense. I, I know he wasn't playing 100 snaps a game, but – he, he he had a pretty sizable role as a sophomore. He was carving really, out. He was carving yes. out, you know, niches for himself and, and playing exactly them for right. himself. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't get it. I'm not going to get too far into it. But, you know, Keaton's probably the most productive player Kentucky lost so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully this is it for the big names. I mean, I think you'll obviously see more after the bowl game and then after spring. That's just how it goes. But um, yeah, Keaton's a tough loss. Destin Wade, they'll be okay. You know, in the quarterback room, Kyle Shern as well. Um, I'll give you the name that I've heard a lot of buzz about in the portal. He's very familiar. His name's Bo Allen, if you remember him. Yeah. Uh, I've heard there's a good chance he decides to come back. He is in the portal again. You know, he, he goes to Tarleton State after Kentucky, starts there, hits the portal again, and before he made the decision to hit the, or I'm sorry, after he made the decision to hit the portal, that's when they started to crack down on the two-time transfers for non-graduates. So he gets to Georgia Southern, he's ruled ineligible. His waiver doesn't pass. Mm. So he was not eligible to play at Georgia Southern last year. Um, He has, I believe, two years of eligibility. I believe he'll be a graduate in December, if I'm not mistaken. That'll make him eligible to play right away. 
He was with Liam Cohen for a year. He actually played um, enough to get 12 throws in, complete eight of them, and run in a touchdown under Cohen. So he knows the offense. He probably would have been the backup in 22 again, but there was some, you know, Rich Scangarillo went the went Kyle Sharon and, and Deuce Hogan over him. So um, I have heard that is a real possibility that you get Bo Allen back in this quarterback room, and then you're looking at a room that has um, Vandegriff, Allen, Bowley, uh, you have the walk-on Shane Ham. We'll see what they do with him. I know he had actually had starting experience at Dayton, and then we'll see about Deuce Hogan. I know he put out on Instagram very brief. Two was entering the portal and then deleted it. So uh, maybe he's maybe that's because he knows he's going to be the backup in the bowl game. I don't know, um, but I would not be surprised if you see Bo Allen uh, commit to Kentucky in these next couple weeks, uh, leading up to signing day. Going back to way. Did, did Destin get a lot of reps, all the reps leading up to the bowl game last year? That you know he, did, uh, he got the majority of the first team reps. I heard that was the kind of their plan uh, was to give him that start. They wanted to see what they had. Mm-hmm. And I think Kaya, they saw what they had because <laughs> against South Carolina, right? Yeah. He got a chance to start. And those guys were kind of duking for that second position, that second spot on the depth chart all year. Uh, they go to Destin and, you know, he, he did a couple good things, but against that defense and, they were in the the Vince Marrow offense. They weren't even in the Scangarillo offense. So uh, it was really it was a tough spot. His dad's right about that. I mean, that was a tough spot they threw him into. But they got him on the field in his hometown. I mean, they made some sort of effort. And this year, you know, they had health at quarterback. I get Devin Leary didn't have a great year, but you weren't going to throw Destin Wade in this in into this season. You just weren't. It was never going to happen this year, so uh, I don't. I just don't know what uh, what they what that what their father really wants. I understand he wants the best for his kids. He wants to watch his their, his kids play, yeah, but yeah. it just was it wasn't happening here. There was no reason to throw shade on the way out. But yeah, it wasn't wasn't realistic, and it was no a stretch as subpar as Leary was for what a lot of people expected. Sure, it's, it's still probably a stretch to say he would have done that. You know, oh, you know, so absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So. And you, you hate, like you said, you hate to see that, uh, especially when it's those recruiting battles and commitments that yeah. you, you kind of, as a fan base, you're hoping that they can get it. You know, it's a battle, you know, getting a kid out of Tennessee and you, you hope you can hold on to them and four star prospects still aren't growing on trees here historically for Kentucky, four and five stars, you know, mostly three stars. So when you get one like that, you get a Dekel Kratos, you get guys that you're like, who, yeah, they were able to hold on to them and get them. And then you, you hate, you hope that those, you hope they all work, but you really hope those work and you just hate it when it, when it doesn't pan out. And that's what happened here. Uh, yep. I heard Tom, you've been on with Tom Leach. You're on there the other day. I heard you. Uh, he, he loves to quote, how mummy from back in the day, he's you know, quarterbacks were, were born to transfer, so it always happens. Not wrong. You know, <laughs> I mean, look at it right now, man. Yeah. It's crazy. And you got some, I mean, you got some guys who had some really good years. Like, I did, I don't know about you. The only, I, I guess, I haven't been too surprised by many of them, but like Kyle McCord, I was like, what? Uh, I guess there were some cryptic comments the day before from Ryan Day and that that some people weren't surprised, but I had no idea of those comments. So I was pretty damn surprised uh, when I saw Kyle McCord's name come out. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, I wasn't. I had kind of heard that one might happen, but 
it's just crazy, man. It's yeah. the Wild West. And uh, Hal Mummy's right. I mean, I think the quarterback position for sure. But now everyone's born to transfer, it feels like. It is yeah. just – it's the Wild West, some of the names out there. I don't think it's over yet. Yeah. So, uh, like you said, maybe Keaton will be the most impactful player that Kentucky loses. And Yeah, as of now, for sure. Considering how wild it is, that will, that will still be – yeah, you can you can kind of live with that, I guess, in this yeah. day and age. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, and he would have he would have he would have been primed to even do bigger and better things had he stayed. Sure, uh, but with his brother leaving, you and they're twins, and you just you, you can and it it might to me it might kind of impact him more having to leave. I think it will, because... and he's he's kind of sacrificing for his brother. Yeah, we'll see. Obviously, where. They land, but if they land at Tennessee or something like that, like right. that's going to be the yeah. same situation. Um, yeah. So unless they go to an FCS school, that'd be great for Destin. But for Keaton, he's going to go beat up on that competition. How are scouts going to view that, right? So uh, we'll see. You know, the grass simply isn't always – it is for some. The portal can be a really good thing, but the grass isn't always greener. Um, we'll see what happens there. It wasn't too big of a surprise. I know there was some smoke before. Um, but uh, it happened, and uh, it's over for for those two guys here. But yeah. you know, the, as of for the edge position, I mean, <laughs> that's why you see them making such a priority of it. You know, mm -hmm. in this class coming up, uh, mm -hmm. Jacob Smith, Brian Robinson, both edge guys, uh, Antoine Smith, the guy out of Atlanta, Georgia, mm -hmm. three star guy, Caleb Breed out of St. Louis, Stephen Souls out of Powell, Tennessee, uh, Lorenzo Cohen out of Savannah, Georgia. I mean, they are going pretty heavy on edge rushers uh, in this upcoming class. And then you got, you know, guys like Grant Godfrey who redshirted this year, I think due to injury, he's an outside backer. He was a high four-star guy. Don't think he's going anywhere. So, you know, you have some guys to build around. It's going to be a young group. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to add one through the portal here, but usually they, they figure it out on the defense side of the ball. It's the offensive side of the ball uh, where uh, they need some dudes. Yeah. And Nico is – in his second year in that system, you're not going to go into Tennessee hypothetically. He's going to be their guy. Start over that years. guy. Jalen's boy, Gaston Moore, is still there. I mean, That's right. You ain't kicking him out. You ain't kicking him out. <laughs> yes. I mean, you, you yeah. I, I was, that was just a hypothetical because it's yeah, from yeah, there. Yeah. But exactly. Exactly. Um, so let's see. Is that all of Portal? After this very millisecond right now? Aaron? Yeah, I think that's it. I think, you know, other names with Kentucky to kind of watch right now. Uh, Raymond Cottrell, the wide yeah. receiver out of Texas A&M. He's mm -hmm. on a visit this weekend. I feel really good about that one. Mm -hmm. I don't feel as good about uh, Devon McCauley anymore. I think Michigan's kind of taking over the leader, but he is still supposed to visit this weekend. So maybe uh, Kentucky can get some uh, momentum back in that one. Uh, the one that popped today, the running back at Ohio State, which is a name I've been kind of waiting to pop. Uh, Chip Tradum, guy who started his career at Arizona State. Also, it was funny because he was a linebacker and a running back at a college or at a high school, rather, uh, at Arizona State. Plays two years at running back, goes to Ohio State expecting to be a linebacker. And they said, nope, you're going back to running back. He had a pretty productive year. He was actually in line to start their bowl game. Um, against, uh, I believe they're playing Missouri, right? Yep, Cotton Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, that's a guy to watch. And then just, you know, they have some offers out to some smaller school guys along the offensive line, especially at tackles. So uh, we'll get some more movement probably by the time we uh, we talk again next Wednesday. I wouldn't be surprised if there's another commitment or two. But um, 
you know, they're going to add two to three receivers. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Yes. They're going to have at least one running back, and they're going to have depth on that O-line, and then we'll see what they do defensively. Yeah, so which as limited as the depth was, you know, and then, look, everybody's free to do what they want, but seeing Porter leave – yeah, like, yeah. you know that, you know. Mm. Yeah, that was tough. And that I think that tells you, though, and Mark Stoops had a really good quote about this on Monday, that most of these portal decisions are mutual. Right. So it's they good. are, yeah. And I don't think, I don't, you know, McCauley would be that big X receiver that takes that slot, even if it's not him. There's like a gazillion guys out there. I'm sure they'll find one. Uh, so, um, but they're, they're going to recruit the wide receiver position really hard. I mean, they already have, again, they're supposed to have two guys on campus this weekend with McCauley and with, um, with Cottrell. They are supposed to have an in-house visit with um, the wide receiver who had over a thousand yards at North Texas, Jamari McClan, uh, Jamari Macklin, the cousin of Jeremy Macklin mm -hmm. uh, for the Missouri Eagle fans out there. So um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh they're going to be working hard to get that wide receiver position some depth. I mean, yeah. they're down to Dane Key, Barryon Brown, Anthony Brown, Stevens, Brandon White, and Ardell Banks. That's the wide receiver room right now. So uh, they got work to do. Yeah, yeah. So all that getting sorted out. Uh, Stoops is out on the road on the trail, and bowl prep is coming right up. Real quick, we got a way better bowl matchup than we were expecting, huh? Yeah, a Gator Bowl when everybody was thinking Dukes, you was you know and to play a premier opponent, man. Like that's that that's big time. Not just one, you're going to see guys more motivated to play. They want to go beat Clemson, right? Clemson's won two national championships the last eight years. Uh, their household name, playing Duke with an interim coach and half their roster portaled, would not hold the same weight. And it would only hurt you, right? Because if you lose to that Duke team, you're going to get trolled. And um, if you lose to this Clemson team, it's what everyone expected to happen. Uh, it's a good experience to get competition against a really quality opponent. You beat them. That's it's pretty damn impressive. So uh, I know they're not the Clemson, you know, with Trevor Lawrence or even with Deshaun Watson or any of those guys right now, but they're still uh, they're still pretty good. You know, they're defensively top twenty. They finished the season red hot. I think they were four and four, then won their last four. So they took Florida yeah. State down to the wire. So this is a it's a fun draw. It really is. It's a much better draw than the last two Iowa games. That's uh, that's for darn sure. So yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to getting down to Jacksonville at the end of the month. So it's a repeat opponent, but it's not a recent repeat right. opponent like right. Iowa and Virginia Tech and all that. Because yes, it's a you know, the fourth time they play Clemson in a bowl game. So right, uh, but know, it's, it's a it's, Clemson has changed a hell of a lot since. Uh, yeah, I think it was Dabo's first year. The last time they played each other from yeah, State, 09. Right? Yeah, yeah, that 09. was Dabo's first year. So he's uh mm -hmm. he's done a for all of his antics and people might not like him personally. Uh, he's done a hell of a job uh, at Clemson. So yeah. uh, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a great bowl game. This will be round four. They're up two to one in bowls. There you go. Kentucky leads eight to five overall. But uh, first time playing them since 09 back there in the Music City Bowl yep. uh, down in Nashville. I went to the 106. Clinton that was the one beat them. Andre Woodson, yep. And uh, in 07, they beat Florida State. And I was like, oh, my God, they're playing Florida State. Florida State had a bunch of people suspended. I, we didn't care. Yep. We didn't. We did Who not cares? care. But uh, uh, just Clemson, two of their best defense players are opted out and going to the draft. If Kentucky beats them, is anyone going to think about that? Nope. No. Mm -mm. So – 
great opportunity. And yeah. uh, I think Louisville fans will be even more mad if they beat Clemson. Beat, beat this probably, I guess Louisville is still the second best team in the ACC this year, but uh, probably the third best team in that conference. Yeah. And Louisville is, you know, to quote Mark Stoops, Louisville let one become two. You lose to Kentucky and, and all <laughs> – a lot of their fans, oh, we, we're worried about the ACC championship game. Well, then you go and lose that to Florida State with yes. a third-string quarterback. Four, six so. points. Yeah, it was not <laughs> not pretty for Louisville, and they lose out on the Orange Bowl, which it was that part wasn't their fault. I mean, the Florida State stuff is – it's it's something. We can get into it if we really want to, but it's something. But, um, yeah, so they're going out to San Diego. And I do – I will say I do feel bad for Louisville fans that the game is in San Diego. Like, that is expensive. They were kind of banking on being in Florida. I saw some fans say, hey, let's just maybe settle for the Gator Bowl or even settle for Charlotte just to avoid, you know, that type of ticketing price. When we had a good season, we should be rewarded by going to a bowl game that fans can attend. So that part of it sucks. I'll give sympathy for that. But they, too, get a premier opponent in USC, even though Caleb Williams won't be out there. That's a good chance for them to finish a really good year for them strong. So, but – you know, they uh, they melted at the end. They kind of were the team that we all kind of kind of thought they were. We had to give them some credit at ten and one, but uh, you know, they fell back down to earth the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you know, a little drop off, a little bit sour, sour ending. Uh, you know, Kentucky is able to kind of wash some of that out of their mouth by getting the win over Louisville, and you know, kind of the reverse is happening. You know, with the cards, the way it's kind of ending for them, but. Uh, Definitely is what it is. Same thing kind of happened, you know, to the basketball team. The football team, oh. you had that sour South Carolina loss, and you 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 kind of recent with beating Louisville. Basketball beats Miami to death, and then they have a big letdown against the UNCW <coughs> Seahawks. Um, just one of those nights, man. It's just one of those nights and just uh, – Yeah. Like, for example, you know, and they're freshmen, and and Cal sure. says it whether it's true or not. They're not machines. They're not robots. Everybody sure. knew Dillingham. You get the whole gamut with him. He's very yeah. That was streaky. the first time you saw it. Exactly. He's streaky, and and him and Reed Shepard coming in at that little spark. You know, four yep. minutes in, it's been really well. He had a, a down game. He gave you the other end of the spectrum this time, and that's we knew that was possible when the dude committed. That's kind of the way he is, you know. Yeah, he's a boom did. or bust type of player, <laughs> and it it didn't it didn't happen. There's no excuse to lose to those guys, but you're transitioning. You you have your first, uh, you know, another game without your starting point guard. Just when you finally get your first big back, so you're in flux. No excuse. No, you're, you're in flux. You know, in a in a transitionary state. So hey, we finally get our guy. Nope. Now we don't have DJ. We get we get Aaron back, but we don't have DJ. So it's that yeah. was happening. And you know, and at the is it is it a bad loss? Yes, absolutely. I never said forty and zero. Nobody. But so they're gonna lose some game. I just didn't expect it to be that one. They were going to take some losses along the way. Um, can they still right the ship and get where they want to go? Does this mean that they have no shot at being an elite team now? No, they can no. still put it all together and 
you know, shake this off and, you know, keep going towards the team we think they can be. But it's just, you know, sucky loss, a letdown, just a, just a bad night. Yeah, no, it uh, it's not a good loss. It's an inexcusable loss, but um, there, yeah, no, there's definitely a lot of truth to everything you've said. It's all true. Um, it's just the things that bothered me or would worry me about those that loss. Um, the defense has been bad all year. Mm-hmm. Can we call it what it is? I mean, they did pull, they did pretty well against Miami. I give them that. But they have been beat off the dribble at will all year. They're giving up over 70 points per game. They rank in the high 200s uh, in in defense. I mean, they have not defended well. And part of it is because of the bigs, but they haven't rebounded well either. They still got out-rebounded in this game. Um, And, look, I get – I'm taking Kentucky out of it. They got out-rebounded by a team who played a guy who's 6'9", for like three minutes, and then their next tallest guy was six seven. The rest of the way, you can't get out rebounded in those type of games. That's an effort thing to me. So the defensive stuff that was not that was concerning. The rebounding is concerning, but um, the stuff like with Dillingham, yeah, you knew you were going to get some of that. It hadn't happened yet. You were thinking maybe just he got that out of his system in, in prep ball. Uh, he was a change player. He is a change player and a better player, but he showed. I think the problem what happened with him on on Saturday was he got frustrated. You know, shots weren't falling. Um, he missed a wide open three early. And then you saw toward the end of the game when Kentucky was still in it, he kind of kept hawking at the ball and picks up a really dumb foul at that point when I think that either put Kentucky in the in the bonus or the double bonus. So like a selfish play. And then Cal sat him down right after that. So, you know, he showed some uh, some of that stuff that they were – concerned about coming into the year uh, for the first time. Reed was great offensively in the second half, especially he scores 25. He had to play 39 minutes, uh, but he got beat uh, defensively the whole game. Uh, didn't have a great night passing either. Uh, Going to happen, freshman. Uh, and then uh, I thought when Aaron Bradshaw was in, they were plus 11, but he was, he was posting up, man. Like he was not giving space. There was not that whole new style, big stuff. It was clogged and, even even before Bradshaw checked in the game, because I'm not going to blame this on Aaron Bradshaw. I think he's the last person to blame. He hasn't played all year. But they were slower. They didn't have their same tempo. They didn't have the crisp passing. They didn't have the same energy. And uh, it led to a, a really bad loss. But the good news is, you know, it's early December. You have this kind of week. It's kind of like a football schedule right now where you have a game a week. You have a lot of practice time. You have a lot of time to get on the same page. You know, with Aaron Bradshaw, that he's back for good. Maybe get keep getting Ugana and Yenso closer. No clue. I'm not even going to speculate on Big Z. I'm going to take him out of my brain until we know he's cleared, honestly. But um, they'll be fine. I, I do believe they'll be fine. But th- this was a wake-up call that, hey, it's a talented team. It's a really young team that has flaws. And, you know, losses are going to happen. And you got to also – Lastly, give credit to to the other team, right? I mean, they hit a lot of tough shots. Uh, that kid, White, number thirteen, he's a baller now. He should be playing at a higher level. Uh, some of those schools haven't. And then their coach, uh, Tiago Siddle, was on Gardner Webb and scored eight points in that game. And so he must just know how to win it rough. Like you just tip your cap. Maybe you need to maybe you need to put him on the list for guys who uh, come in after Cal just because he knows how to win it rough. So, but uh. <laughs> nah, but uh, yeah, they got they they. But you know that was tough. They got to start. 
they, they got to start performing better at home overall. I know they kick Miami's tail in, but I think I saw a stat where they're like 10 and six in their last 16 home games. You got to do better than that. You, you just got to find a way to be better um, at home, be better overall. But I think, again, it's early. This team is uber talented. Um, I think they're going to come out and punch Penn in the mouth on Saturday. Uh, I, I don't know if DJ Wagner will be ready, but Aaron Bradshaw playing pretty close to home. Justin Edwards playing at home. There's going to be juice. And, uh, you know, look, Penn beat Villanova. I don't know how great of a win that is anymore because Villanova's losing to everybody, <laughs> it feels like. But um, yeah. you, you got to go take care of business. You can't have two of these uh, losses add up because it'll really it, – this one already is going to hurt uh, come Selection Sunday with the, with the net. Uh, you don't you don't need two of these on your on your resume. Yeah. Oh, um, and and I get that with the the stats at home, and you do need to protect home. Yeah. But those that that stats easy to throw out there because of the way it's been the past two or three years. So I mean, if they they're ten and six in their last sixteen, had they beat UNCW, they'd be eleven and five in their last sixteen. Big whoop de doo. You gonna it's gonna take some time to get that stat. Right. Yeah. That's right. So, you know, losing that didn't help, but you know, getting more consistent at home, you know, like you should be, is you're gonna have to keep putting that in the rear view before that, you know, kind of takes care of itself, like we hope. Chiaco Siddle, Takeo, Takeo Siddle, Coach Siddle. That's that, that is I'm with you. Insane. That's, that's is Insane. that's as frustrating. <laughs> As the loss, because he already, like I said, he already had one story that he could tell his grandkids. As a player, he came in to rep and beat Big. And he Mac scored eight points in that game. It's not like he just yeah. sat on the bench and watched it. Yeah, he can tell his grandkids he's done it as a coach too. Can you believe that? Good for <laughs> him. Honestly, that's crazy. I'm telling you, put him on the watch list. <laughs> Dude doesn't lose a rub. You said, so, you said Mitch Barnhart's got him in the book now. Just in- you got to got to put him in the book. At least as an assistant. Like, come on now. I, it's just incredible. That's an incredible story. You see that? That's that's the beauty of sports, right? You hate when it happens to your team, exactly. obviously. But uh, look, the Billy era. It was probably good that it happened in the Billy era. Helped you push him out the door. Um, oh, but yeah. you don't. Yeah. You didn't want that this year because this team was a lot of is is still. I'm I'm not saying that in the past, but the start they were on was phenomenal you kind of felt like after the way they rolled Miami yeah uh, I thought they were going to go into SEC play with one loss I really did because uh, what they pen uh I guess UNC was kind of a, a toss-up game I'm still yeah. I got I got to see UNC in person last night I was at the garden at the Jimmy V um classic I actually oh, got to take the Huskies yeah I got to see the Huskies I was more there for the first game because uh FAU is of course where my brother goes um, oh, yeah. they, they had a tough night. They they yeah. played they played pretty well, but foul trouble kind of with their big guy Vlad Golden kind of killed them. And Illinois, their two guards, two, their two guards, including uh, Terrence Shannon, both had thirty three. I mean, you're not going to win many games when two guys have thirty three on the other team. So credit to Illinois, they played a great game. And then UConn, North Carolina was really uh really entertaining up and down basketball. And UConn just just pulled away there in the second half. Um, kind of flex their muscle there, but mm-hmm. yeah. So maybe I, I, I still kind of forecasted them though to beat UNC from what I'd saw the Tar Heels. Um, I, I, I thought one or two losses at worst going into league play. Uh, yeah. So this will probably we'll see what happens next week in uh, in Atlanta. But you've got to take care of Penn. And honestly, I think if you look at the net, the worst loss you could have is Louisville. So don't let it be that one. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. So yeah, this this team generated a lot of optimism. Everybody's excited. The buzz, you know, playing Kansas tough without the bigs was, was a loss, but it was still it's a moral ooh, victory as ooh. much as you don't like it. Yeah. And then the way they did Miami, that just got added fuel to it. And everybody's been hungering and wanting to see them. Well, even Cal said we need to be Kentucky good before the season even started. Everybody was looking and excited about them trying to be that. Yep. And so this this kind of threw water on that flame Absolutely. a little bit, and it's kind of dampened the excitement again. Uh, but and they they caused everybody to kind of get ahead of themselves. We can only have one loss going to the conference play. That's just going to buzz right on through. And then, oh, UNCW happened. So, you know. Uh, yeah, you it's not gotta, the end all be all, but it, you know, uh, like you said, it's it's and maybe it's a, it could end up being a good thing. Look, yeah. I'm not I'm not justifying this loss. I think on selection Sunday, it is going to hurt you because yeah, it's going to be quad yeah. three. It may even end up quad four if UNCW <laughs> yeah. ends up not having a great year. I know they're projected to win their league, but injuries happen, things happen. It could be quad four. You lost it at home, but um, look, I hate to bring more bad memories up, but they lose to Evansville early that season. Evansville won zero conference games after the Walter McCarty stuff happened, mm. and they won the SEC by three games. Like yeah. that could, I'm not saying that's going to happen again. Uh, the SEC, I know it hasn't like got off to a great start, but like Old Miss has been shockingly really good. South Carolina, I think. Uh, one again tonight. Uh, I'll check on that real quick. I still think Tennessee's really good. They've played a really hard schedule. Um, I still think AM is really good. They've played a hard schedule. So, you know, it's gonna be a tough league, but I think they'll be I think they'll just be they'll be fine at the end of the day. It might hurt them a seed line or two, but actually Clemson just fell behind. They're down four with a minute to go. But I'm sorry, South Carolina fell behind by hmm. four. So uh still they're off to a strong start. The SEC's good again, but uh I think this team will be fine. Uh, if they lose on Saturday or they struggle on Saturday, I'll be I'll be a little worried. But for now, uh, I'll call it a one-off till they give more evidence. And it'll be interesting to see the which this is this is Camp Cal time, but you know just one yeah, that's week right. And all that interesting to see the the strides and the cohesiveness defensively. If you look at the roster, and you know development happens, nobody really stays the same. Either right. progress or regress. Is there really a, a nasty lockdown defender on the roster? I would probably say no. I, I think no. DJ is the best guard, yeah. guard defender yeah. they have, but no, I don't yeah. think there's a. I don't think there's a. Um, no a DeAndre Liggins. No, no Liggins. Yeah. No Michael Kidd, Gilchrist no. type that's just gonna get up in somebody's shorts for several have the minutes. Hero game against Fletcher McGee, where yeah. he turned into like, oh. <laughs> yeah, you, just so, don't, you don't have that on this team. They're gonna have to. Work harder at it. It's it's not going to come naturally to them. This Absolutely is this not. is an offensive team, as we as we know. The fireworks are there for net, you know, with all the shooters, and collectively, you know, they're just going to have to dig deep and try to you do better. You know, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not saying y'all going to be Gary Payton's and the kind uh -huh. of you know Ugo could be a Matumbo, but you got some shot blocking, <laughs> but but. You know, just stand in front of people like Cal said. Stop opening your hips and and just, you know, if they if they did the wall sits it, you just gonna have to buckle down and and just get in that mindset as best you can. Hey, we got to, we can't just keep getting blown by all night. So that's exactly right. Yeah, just, just no, curious uh... to see how that will progress over the the coming weeks to see how 
what kind of defensive ceiling they have. You know? <laughs> yeah. we I don't know what it, <laughs> We know yeah. the sky's the limit offensively. But we know. Oh, I've, <laughs> yeah, no, this is this could end up being Cal's best offense team. Uh, it still can. But uh, you got to play some defense, man. If you want to have a special season, uh, you got to play some defense. You've got to um, you got to rebound. Yeah, you gotta you, you gotta play team basketball. You gotta do a little bit of everything. So, um, you know, and, and when those shots aren't falling, Cal Cal that's likes, what, Cal likes to right. grind. Cal likes to grind it out anyway. Sure. That's that's his natural inclination. So, but when the fireworks, you know, there's a lid on the rim for four or five guys, and it's a, a struggle. Then you just gotta, you know, you gotta dig in and yep. get stops. That's exactly right. You got to find a way to get stops, and they could not do that. And they haven't done it most of the year. I mean, they're again over 70 points a game on them. And it, it, you take out, I think they only gave up 46 against New Mexico State the first game, if I'm not mistaken, was something like this that. Is, yeah, 86, uh, 46 or something. Yeah, something. Yeah. Other, if you take that game out, like the number's over 80. So there's kind of like an outlier game on the defensive side. And that's a team that was the first, like all those guys had never played a real game together before. They didn't even scrimmage like in practice. Yes. But they didn't even play preseason games. Like that was their first basketball game together. So you held them to 46 points, but uh, yeah, you, you got to figure it out on defense. It cannot, it cannot be what we've been seeing uh, so far. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Everybody's going to try to muck it up and force it into a half-court game. Nobody wants to run with this team. And they're so, going to put – yeah, no, absolutely. And they're going to they're gonna keep feeding the paint. They're going to keep trying to beat you off the dribble. And, um, look, against UNC, with the way R.J. Davis, I saw him play last night, like that, that will be a tough game. If, uh, and with Baycott in the paint. Like that is a yeah, – that's a nightmare little... matchup if you don't get it figured out. He's a load. And... He's, he's like a Oscar light. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Similar games. Oscar was on a little bit of a different level from a rebounding perspective, but mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. kid Baycott's a walking double double too. He sometimes the thing with him is he'll he'll take some plays off where I don't think Oscar ever took a playoff. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe messed up, but I don't think he ever took a playoff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's we'll we'll talk about that one obviously more next week. But uh, you gotta you gotta take care of business and do it. I think get a feel good win here on Saturday in Philly. Get away from home. Uh, get to play in this NBA arena and uh, get a big win. Absolutely. So when you were growing up, you know, Yankee fan, Giant fan, Knicks fan, were you a UConn fan, like, as you as a little kid, 7, 8, 10 years old? You know, I followed it, obviously, because, you know, Connecticut, big, big basketball state, obviously both the men's and women's programs, uh, two of the best there are. Women, probably the gold standard of women's basketball the last 30 years, you know, under uh, Gino. But, um, no, I mean, I didn't have the thing that I probably wasn't is because none of my family went to UConn. There was no family ties to UConn. And, you know, I, I just knew about the Huskies, knew a lot of Husky fans. But so sometimes I wanted to be different and just poke the bear yeah. a little bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I always like I, I'd root for them to win. It was good. It was cool to see that happen in the state. But um, yeah, honestly, you know, my dad went to North uh, American for undergrad and then went to Northwestern for business school. Mom went to Albany. So there wasn't really much uh, much of a, a loyalty to UConn growing up. Mm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. And so I, I'm not, I mean, I've been through there, but I'm, my familiarity isn't like yours. How close are you to New York City and to Philly? What's the distance to you for those both cities? 
So New York City, um, exactly 30 minutes, well, with no traffic, I'm about 30 minutes, about 35 miles from Oh, wow. So, wow. Yeah, wow. very close. Um, Philly's about, uh, you know what? I've never been to Philly, believe it or not. What? I've never been. Yeah, well, I always wanted to go to like a Giants-Eagles game, and my dad said, no, it's too dangerous. So I never did that. <laughs> well, he's, from what I've <laughs> seen, he's right. But this saying... is saying two hours and 13 minutes is all it is to drive. So huh. I've actually, funny enough, I've done a connect, like, Connecting at Alex, I'd go into Philly, you know, on an American Airlines flight and then go into LaGuardia. And that's like a 10 minute flight. It's crazy. So, yeah, two, two hour and 13 minute drive down to Philly. We'll be doing that on Friday night. And then I'll, I'll fly home from Philadelphia on Sunday morning. Cool, man. Cool. Well, have fun, man. I appreciate it. Be back man. home. That's always cool. And get to pop to the city and pop to the gardens. So, man, yeah, that was a great it. time last night. Yeah, it was, I, I was. I tweeted it out, man. I can't remember the last time I went to a college sporting event just in the seats, not with a computer in front of my face. So mm. it was kind of nice to to just be normal, I guess you could say. Just be, be a fan, be able to do what I want at the game. So mm. uh, that was cool. That was a good time. Hey, that's awesome, man. Look, everybody check Aaron out. It's catspaws.com, agershon99. Looking forward to all the content leading up to the game and during the game and, and everything you put out after the game, man. Always good stuff, man. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, look, man, another episode of Believe in Kentucky. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, live like we are here on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. We got merch. We got Cat Daddy shirts. Go to shop.believe.com. Go to bleed.com and check out all the other podcasts that were part of the network, including Giants, Legends, Bob Papa, and Carl Banks, Aaron's guys up there talking about his G-Man. We'll be back next week. Looking forward to seeing the Cats hopefully get that bad UNC Wilmington taste out of their mouth against Penn. Even Trey Mitchell said, I feel sorry for who we play next. (laughs) uh, Make it it count, Trey. That's right. (laughs) Hey, uh, walk the walk up there in Philly. Yeah, that's right. Look forward to talking about that and all the football news. We'll get Jalen's thoughts on Brock Vandegrift from the quarterback's perspective next week. All that and more when we come back to y'all next time on Believe in Kentucky. Everybody be safe. We'll highlight y'all next week. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube